Welcome to the Social Work Social. My name is Melanie Matthews and I'm a registered social worker. Together, we're gonna to be exploring the world of mental health treatment by listening to stories and having conversations with a diverse group of social workers. And you're gonna to have to listen to me quite a bit too. Before we get started, there are two disclaimers about this podcast. The first one is, the information presented here should only be considered completely accurate for Ontario, Canada. There are different rules and regulations for mental health professionals, including social workers, in other parts of Canada and the rest of the world. So make sure you're doing your research to be sure that you know about the regulations specific to your area. The second disclaimer is that nothing presented here should be considered mental health treatment or medical advice. If you're interested in learning more or perhaps getting some of this treatment for yourself, make sure to consult an expert in your area. Your family doctor is usually a good place to start. This week, we're going to be talking about social work education. The first thing you need to know is that there are three different levels of social work education. The first one is a Bachelor of Social Work, or BSW, which is a four-year university degree. It involves going to classes, of course, like any other degree, but also there are required 700 field placement hours that have to be completed by the student who are supervised by a social worker currently working in the field. The second level is a Master of Social Work or MSW degree. Similarly, this one also involves going to classes for one year if you have a Bachelor of Social Work degree or two years if you have a different degree and also has 450 field placement hours required. The third level is a PhD or doctorate in social work. This one is mostly research-based, no field placement required. I have both a BSW and MSW degree. I've really considered going ahead and getting a PhD as well, mostly because you can make people call you doctor. As a small, heavily tattooed woman who looks much younger than she is, I often get people being pretty condescending towards me. I kind of just think it'd be awesome to be able to put them in their place by saying, I excuse me, that's Dr. Matthews actually. But putting that aside, today we're going to be having a conversation with Cassandra, who's a current BSW student. Cassandra is actually doing her field placement with me right now as her supervisor, and she's learning about research and evaluation. Cassandra is going to tell us all about her experience as a BSW student and what she's learned so far. She has some really interesting things to tell us. There's no trigger warning for today's episode, but there is one thing that I think needs a little bit more context. During our discussion, Cassandra and I used the term Indian when referring to Indigenous peoples of Canada in a couple of places. This term is racist and completely unacceptable. However, unfortunately, it's correct in the context that we're using it in. This is because the government of Canada still uses the word Indian in reference to Indigenous peoples in many laws and acts, most notably the Indian Act. This isn't okay. That and many other things need to be changed. If you haven't already, I encourage you to look up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action and take action. I know that it's something that's high on my priority list and I think it should be on yours too. Hi everyone, my name is Cassandra and I'm a graduate of the Social Service Worker Program. I'm also currently in my final year of the Bachelor of Social Work. I'm a straight Caucasian woman currently living in Sault Ste. Marie and I'm originally from a small town in Northern Ontario called Elk Lake and there's about 400 people on a good day. And I have three young boys and the oldest just turned four. Amazing. Thanks for joining me today, Cassandra. 
Um, so we're just going to chat a little bit about your experience as a BSW student. I know you already have your social service worker diploma, so we might uh, chat a little bit about that too, because I think that's really cool. College diplomas and university degrees both have such benefits that are very different, but equally valuable. So that's really awesome that you're doing both. Um, so since you got your social service worker diploma, what made you decide to also pursue a Bachelor of Social Work degree? Um, well, I think there's just way more job opportunities in comparison to the SSW compared to the BSW. And also the pay is better. You're able to do more. And yeah, I guess for me, it was mainly job opportunities because there's a lot of agencies that won't hire you unless you have that BSW. And what made you decide to study at Algoma University in particular? Well, I had done my social service worker diploma through Northern College, and they have an amalgamation program with Algoma University. So it was partly that, and then also Algoma University is actually a former residential school. So just the history behind it, I thought was like very interesting and enriching. Oh, that is really interesting. I had no idea. So like the building itself was... Yeah school yeah interesting do they teach a lot about what happened there like is that a big part of the curriculum is understanding that context uh well i've gone on a couple different tours now where they take you around like the school and they'll teach you like different areas like the girls dormitory boys dormitory um there's an old cemetery in the back and there's some crosses which were actually like markers of like teachers and yet there's so many children in that cemetery but there's no markers to like identify the children um, that have passed away there and there's just there's a lot of history there there's an old church that was built by the students that were there there used to be an old chicken coop just there's just so much history that's like untold and it's been very eye-opening to say the least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were so many really horrible things that happened at residential schools. I think it's really important to think, remember all of that and, and honor the people that like lost their lives um, in the residential schools in the horrible way that Indigenous people have historically been treated. And not even just historically, like it wasn't that long ago that the residential schools were shut down. Um, do you know what year the one at Algoma was shut down? Or like approximately? I want to say it was in the 80s. Yeah, because I think the, the last one in Ontario, I remember it because it was like when I was five years old. I think it was 1996, which is incredible that it was starting. Yeah. I mean, that might not be the exact date. That's like how I remember it. I know I was very young when when that was uh, when that happened. But yeah, it's incredible. And it's it's amazing that Algoma is keeping that part of the history like you know, as, as a learning experience for the students there. It's yeah, for sure. there's, I, there's one whole level on the one section that's, um, they have like pictures and they have just a whole bunch of history like set out that like if you go walk down there, you can read all about it. And do you know, I mean, you're only in the social work program, so maybe not, but do you know um, if this is taught to a lot of the students at Algoma or is this like a pretty social work thing that they incorporate it so much into like your education there um well i know like you can request to have a tour whether you're a student or not um i don't know how many people like take advantage of that but 
we had one professor who taught like sociology and he was like his very first class like each semester he would always like talk about the land he was very mindful of the land and like who was here before everyone else like the indigenous people were here before and um yeah but i'm not 100 percent sure like how much other teachers do with that do you have any indigenous professors in your program there are currently like right now one of my professors is Métis, but like there are other teachers that are Indigenous, just not teaching me like right now. Yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. In my master's program at York, there was one required course on Indigenous worldviews, and that was the only program that was taught by an Indigenous professor. Um, almost all of the other professors were white, so yeah. it's really awesome to get like different perspectives in social work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, that makes it so unique. Do you have any uh, perspectives on other things that make social work education unique from other programs? I think for me, what makes it really unique is just how like diverse there are. So like you can go into almost any field. Like you could go work in a nursing home. You could work doing counseling with trauma victims. You could do research like there's just so much that you can do and I think that's what makes it so unique for me personally just also like learning about the injustices in the world so like one of the things that we learned is that there's enough food produced in the world to feed every single person and yet there's over 800 million people in the world that go hungry every single night like just things like that that just open your eyes to all these different things like things that could be improved I guess yeah, so many issues happening in the world. I know it's probably not as much of an issue in Sault Ste. Marie, but I know that in Toronto, there's like at least 5,000 youth who are homeless every night, um, either you know living in a shelter or like couch surfing or, or just on the street with nowhere to go. And yet there's a bunch of houses and condos and everywhere that are just sitting empty because nobody can afford them. And it's, yeah, it's such an issue and there's so much injustice and there's so much oppression of certain groups that it's really really eye-opening um when you start learning about that it's almost like greed like kind of what you're saying like things that could be used for a better purpose yeah definitely definitely um that's one initiative that's really great right now um during covid is here in toronto they've um, opened up a hotel program for youth who are homeless. Oh, and um, and for adults as well. Um, anyone who's experiencing homelessness can be a part of this hotel program. Because of course, nobody's staying in hotels right now because nobody's traveling right now and we don't have a whole lot of tourism. So they've opened it up for people experiencing homelessness to be able to stay in hotels. And, and that's really awesome. That's awesome. Uh, but it's not really solving the systemic issue. When COVID's like, over, all of these people are gonna go back onto the streets like kind of that band-aid solution for now you can have a home but as soon as the crisis is over like screw you you're back on the street yeah yeah do you feel like that's been i know that all of the schools are kind of different for social work do you feel like that kind of systemic stuff has been a big part of your education at algoma definitely um so one thing that we've definitely learned is 
like we've talked a lot about Indigenous people in this program, and like we've learned a lot of truth. So, for example, like growing up, like in public school and high school, like we used to just learn that Columbus discovered Canada. And really, in reality, there's been Indigenous people on this land that they have called Turtle Island for thousands of years before he came along before Columbus came along and like I think there's a lot of racism and biases and just stereotypes and assumptions against against indigenous people like even growing up like I definitely heard things about like oh they get free education free housing free tuition um they don't pay taxes like just all these assumptions that they get everything for free and so like it creates all these negative stereotypes and yet really residential schools were created to like kill the Indian and the child. There's just been so much injustices done to them. Like even way back, there was blankets. Like we learned about, there was blankets given to indigenous people and they were covered in, I think it was smallpox. Just like all these new diseases and stuff that were never here before. There was just so many things done to try to get them away. Like there's just so much truth out there that has to be told. And I think the government has so much power and they could tell it if they wanted to. And I'm just not sure like what's holding them back. Like why are people not knowing the truth, I guess. Mm -hmm. Awful. Yeah. It's interesting. Like it's almost kind of ironic, isn't it? Like if one of us as a white person, like, uh, like slipped on the floor in the hospital, we would probably sue the hospital um, because it was their responsibility to take care of us and make sure that we didn't slip on the floor and we would be entitled to some sort of compensation for that. But when you think about Indigenous people, you know, the government essentially murdered all of their ancestors and, and even very recent ancestors like grandparents or parents, but yet people don't think that they're entitled to any sort of compensation they look at the things that indigenous people have gotten and say well that's unfair why should they get that well it's the same as if you were to be hurt by the government um, there's mm -hmm. no reason you shouldn't get compensation so why shouldn't indigenous people get that same compensation too for sure, mm -hmm. like the indian act has controlled their lives for so long and dictated like what they can do and can't do and like they're still under control in many ways from the government mm -hmm. And like, if you look at even like their water quality, there's a lot of reserves that don't even have clean drinking water. And if you had that happen in like Toronto or, or Vancouver, that would be fixed like immediately almost. Oh yeah, definitely. Or even, there's even certain classes in Toronto that are treated more equally. So like there's different neighborhoods in Toronto, right? And some of them are more privileged than others. So. You look at like the beaches, for example, they have, they're full of rich people. Houses there run like in the millions. I knew someone who lived there. They lived in half of a duplex. And when they sold it, they sold it for 1.2 million. Wow. Yeah. Like this place, it didn't have a backyard. It didn't have a front yard. It was not very big. And it sold for 1.2 million because it's a rich people neighborhood. Um, but I've heard of other like, housing units in Toronto that are in not so privileged neighborhoods that will go without heat and water and the government won't do anything about it. And it's really sad. It's really sad to see 
like just the different classes and the different ways that people are, are treated. Yeah, for sure. So what's it like studying for a BSW? Like what are the professors like? What is it like being in a program like that? Because I've heard some real like horror stories from people of professors just like in other programs, just not caring and people failing and not being able to get any help. Is it any different studying for a BSW? You know what, um, like when I first went into the SSW program, that was one of the first things I noticed is just how accommodating they are, like in the social work field in general, like they, like if you have something going on in your life or like you need extra time or just anything, like they're just so accommodating and it's like they're there to help you, like they want you to reach your goals. Like I've definitely been in other programs before and it's like very to a T like your problems are your problems but like with the social work that was one thing that I really really noticed is that they they're just very accommodating and they're there to help you. I found that that was kind of the same when I was doing my BSW as well. We had uh, in that particular cohort there were a lot of parents a lot of like younger mothers and just a lot of parents in the program and they were finding it really hard to do their placements. Um, in particular, part of the field placement process is you have to meet with one of the professors or just someone attached to the university um, just to supervise you and make sure you're on track to completing it. And they were, those meetings were scheduled at such ridiculous times that none of these mothers could attend. It was like six o'clock in the evening you had to go. And of course, most daycares stop at like six o'clock. Um, so they couldn't get any childcare. If these were single mothers, they didn't have like anyone to supervise their kids at home. So what the school did was they made a whole group just for the mothers. And they found a professor that was willing to supervise them at like an actual time that worked for them during the day, during regular school hours. Um, and they were able to accommodate them like that. And that was really amazing, actually. It was- Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a group of just mothers and they were able to get the support they needed to be able to graduate because if they hadn't been able to go to that class, they wouldn't have been able to graduate. For so sure. It was really awesome. Well, actually, like all three of my boys have been born like during the program. So like my first son, he was born in the first week of the social service worker program. And then my second son was born during placement in that program. And then I just had my third baby like in March of this year, like just before the lockdown. And um, there's been classes where I've had to take the kids to school with me and like the professors are totally fine with it. Like they're so great about it. I never saw that happen in any of my programs, but that would be really fun actually. Have a couple of kids hanging out during programs. No, that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your placements too? What have you gotten to do both in your like SSW and in your BSW now? Um, yeah, for sure. So in my social service worker program, the placement that I did was at a woman's shelter. So basically you were doing like intakes, you were answering the phone, you were doing some like helping with organizing for like International Women's Day, like various events that they might have going. A whole bunch of work like with the woman that are at the shelter, grocery shopping, like just being there to support them, helping them come up with like plans of action and like how they're gonna move on from the shelter, like where they're gonna go, what place they're gonna like rent, 
um, just a lot of work with like the woman. And then my current placement is actually with you. Um, so, so far it's all new to me and it'll be a lot of like program evaluations by the sounds of it and a bit of research. And yeah, it's interesting to think about just all of the different things that you can do with social work. There's, you know, such a common misconception is that the only thing that social workers do is child welfare. And we do a lot more than that. And we like, learn a lot more than that. And it's really cool um, to get all of those experiences and, and hear about those experiences. What is the most important thing that you would want to tell someone about social work? If you had like just a couple of sentences to explain why it's so amazing, what would you say to someone? I guess I would say that you have the power to like change someone's life in a really positive way. Like you can really make a really positive change in someone's life. Yeah, I think that that's really the common thing across all different aspects of social work is it's all meant to do something to support people and help them grow um, and make a positive change. So that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing today. Um, I've really appreciated hearing about your experience and I'm sure the audience will too. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful that Cassandra joined me to have this conversation. Her experience is really different than the one that I had when I was in school, which I think really highlights just how unique different schools of social work in different universities are. I did my BSW at King's University College at Western University. That school of social work has a real direct practice focus. That means that I spent most of my time learning skills to work directly with people. I learned counseling skills, crisis intervention skills, group therapy skills, all kinds of skills. And it really helped prepare me to work directly with clients. When I did my MSW at York University, it was completely different. York focuses almost entirely on research. I don't think I learned a single skill at York, but I did learn a lot about research and I did get to write a pretty cool major research paper. The paper that I wrote was on the way that mental health is experienced by university students. I thought it was really cool and it was really relevant to the way that I was experiencing university as well. And I think it's really helped inform the direction that I've gone with my work today. This episode covered a lot of really unique and interesting aspects of social work education. But there's a lot that I left out too. Before recording this episode, I looked up the standards of accreditation for social work education set out by the Canadian Association for Social Work Education. It's 20 pages long. Nobody wants to sit here and listen to me read a 20 page long document into a microphone for a podcast. But if you're interested in learning more, that document is available online. So feel free to look it up. Learn more about social work education and what your social workers are learning. And if you're interested, maybe you could even become a social worker. By sharing information and stories, the Social Work Social hopes to inspire you to take action to reduce the stigma of mental health and help normalize seeking mental health treatment. Over the next week, consider what you can do to help. There are so many things you can do based on your strengths, skills, and comfort. Look up mental health initiatives in your area and see if there are any volunteer opportunities. Or maybe take a mental health first aid or suicide intervention course. Even just a kind social media post or an encouraging word to someone struggling with their mental health can make a huge difference to that person. Thank you for listening to The Social Work Social. Tune in again next Friday for another episode. Thank you to Taking It Global, the Government of Canada, and the Canada Service Corps for generously supporting this project. 
If you have a simple project idea to support your community, Taking It Global is looking to support youth who are inspired with ideas and ready to take action through their youth-led community service grants. Apply for a Rising Youth grant today at risingyouth.ca.